It is Sunday, August 16th, 2020. This is U62 The Targ. Let's get rambling! As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. Alright, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62, the TAR. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, I say goodbye to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I sample KFC's plant-based popcorn chicken, and I look up some weird G.I. Joes. It's episode 10.17, Lotta Binging. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 the Tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. I am a little bit sad this week because we had our final episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, Marvel's longest-running TV series has come to an end, and yeah... I was a little surprised at how emotional I got by the finale. I mean, our heroes were on their last mission. Some people didn't make it. And then for the end, we fast-forwarded a year to see where everybody was at and their new careers. S.H.I.E.L.D. was fully resurrected to its Phase 1 MCU glory. And our hero, Agent Coulson, he hopped into his flying spy car and he flew off into the sunset, just like he did in the pilot episode. Yeah, over its seven seasons, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D was a really good show. I believe here in Canada, the entire thing is on Crave if you feel like binging it. But since it is a Marvel and Disney production, just give it enough time and I'm sure it'll be on Disney+. And it's kind of sad because this is the end of an era. This is the last production from Marvel Television. See, Marvel Studios, the folks who make the movies, and Marvel Television have been two separate units for about five years now. That's why, some have observed, there's been a bit of a disconnect between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel TV Universe, because they went their separate ways and they did their own thing. But about a year ago, they decided to do yet another round of restructuring, and now Marvel Studios, the folks who make the movies, are going to be responsible for the TV shows as well. So yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the last production from Marvel Television. It's going to be interesting to see where things go from here because Marvel's TV division is really ramping up. We're getting stuff that's more closely tied with the movies like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Ah, I'm still upset about that. That was supposed to be premiering this month on Disney+, Plus, but again, they had to shut down production because of the pandemic, so we're not going to get it until who knows when. But still, lots of great Marvel TV shows are coming, but when you see it popping up in your feed, I would recommend still give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a binge. You're listening to Mark Kappas. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. On U62, The Targ. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Cap is here, and welcome to yet another installment of Mark Tastes Random Things. This is the first one we're actually filming as well, so that way we can put it on YouTube. Please forgive me that this looks like a vlog from 2009, because, quite frankly, I haven't upgraded my equipment since 2009. 
Seriously, I've got a 12-year-old Dell that's still running on Windows Vista. I really need to upgrade my computer. But I thought, rather than just record this for my podcast, I would record it for video now as, as I taste one of the hot new fast food sensations out there. As we all know, there's been a big move lately in the fast food industry towards plant-based foods. The most successful has been A&W with their Beyond Meat Burger. It has a real nice tangy mustard on it. I do like the Beyond Meat Burger. And probably the most publicized failure has been Tim Hortons and their Beyond Meat Breakfast Sandwich. I found it to be a little dry. So that's why today we are trying the hot new plant-based fast food item out there. Kentucky Fried Chicken has just rolled out their plant-based chicken. I just got back from the KFC here in Westlock, and I got their plant-based box meal. Here we got the big box full of the plant-based chicken. And there we are. We have our McDonald's french fries. Nope, KFC french fries. Pardon me. Good old KFC french fries. Here is our plant-based popcorn chicken. Take a look at a nugget there. That's a plant-based popcorn chicken. Looks a little more uniform in shape than the regular popcorn chicken. And here is the sandwich. Let's see if I can unwrap this with the camera in the way. There we go, our plant-based chicken sandwich. It looks, you know, looks like chicken, I'll give it that much. Got good old lettuce and mayonnaise on it, so there we go. That is our plant-based KFC meal right there. Okay now, so first let's try the popcorn chicken. Here is the popcorn chicken. It's not bad. It's a little dry, not as juicy as regular popcorn chicken. A little crunchier as well. They forgot to throw in my dipping sauce, so based on the menu board down at KFC, they recommend you have barbecue dipping sauce with it, so I just grabbed some barbecue sauce from my fridge. Let's try it with the dipping sauce now, shall we? That's pretty good. Not too bad. Got a good crunch to it. This is going to sound like a bit of a cop-out, but my niece has gone vegan, and this really tastes like the vegan chicken strips that my niece really enjoys. So not too bad. Now let's take a bite out of their plant-based chicken sandwich here. Again, looks like a regular KFC chicken sandwich. It's got the lettuce and the mayo on it. So let's have a bite, shall we? Hmm. Again, much like the popcorn chicken, 
it's a little drier than their regular chicken. But other than that, once it's in the 11 herbs and spices, it tastes pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's not too bad. Doesn't taste too, too different from their previous vegetarian chicken sandwich, but I haven't had one of those in like 10 years. A little bit crunchier, a little bit drier than the typical KFC chicken sandwich, but other than that, it's not too bad. So there you have it for this installment of Mark Tastes Random Things, sampling KFC's new plant-based chicken. I think it's not too bad. Everything's better with Mark Tapas. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. Mark Tapas on U62, The Targ. And now it's time for the streaming report where I update you on what I've been binging over the past few days. I've been doing something very strange this week when it comes to my binging. The Fast and the Furious is one of the biggest movie franchises out there right now. But I have not seen a single one of them. So when I noticed that the first seven Fast and Furious films were on Netflix, I was like, you know what? Let's fix this. Let's finally watch some Fast and Furious films. As I sit down to record this, I have watched the first six. So let me give you my thoughts. First up, The Fast and the Furious. Dismissed by many when it first came out as Point Break with car racing instead of surfing. Based on what I've seen in the trailers and how big and ridiculous the franchise has become, I was almost shocked at how small and intimate this first one actually is. It struck me as being very much an 80s action movie in its tone. That leads us to the second one, Too Fast, Too Furious. This is where we start to see more of the ridiculous car chases start to drift in. I love that gigantic climactic car chase, though, with like a hundred squad cars chasing after our heroes. Really reminded me of the end of the Blues Brothers. Then we come to the third one, Tokyo Drift. It's the outlier in the franchise. If the first one was Point Break with Cars, then this one is Karate Kid with Cars. We have a kid who arrives in a new town, runs afoul of the local gang, finally learns self-discipline and self-respect from an Asian mentor as he learns new skills to take down said gang. I found it to be a lot of fun. This brings us to the fourth one, Fast and Furious. Vin Diesel finally returns to the franchise, and with his return, this feels like it's the true sequel to the first film, as all of the original characters are brought back together, unresolved issues are finally resolved, and our characters are taken to the next level. Next up, it's Fast Five. Now we really start getting into the ridiculous action set pieces that the franchise has become known for. And I'm a sucker for a good getting the band back together montage. So it's just a lot of fun seeing all these past characters from the first four films all coming together for the first time to pull off the big heist. But we have some new characters. This is where Dwayne The Rock Johnson joins the franchise. Since our heroes are on the run from the law, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is essentially Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. Except, you know, rockier. And lastly, we have Fast and the Furious 6. What the hell, man? This one is just insane. The franchise has truly become Mission Impossible with a focus on car chases. It's kind of quaint how in the middle they throw in a simple street race. It's like, oh yeah, this is what the franchise is supposed to be about. 
So let's see, I still have to do Furious 7, that's the seventh one, it's on Netflix. The eighth one, The Fate of the Furious, doesn't seem to be on any of the uh, streaming services that I subscribe to. And the spin-off film about the Rock and Jason Statham characters, uh, that is on Crave, but if I want to watch that one, I have to upgrade to the more expensive Crave Plus subscription. So I'll at least watch the seventh one, and then we'll go from there. And that's the streaming report. Mark Kappas, Lord of the Overworld, Master of the Twelve Galaxies! Where do you pick that stuff up? I never see you read. Mark Kappas! It's like he channels dead crazy people. U62, The Dark. Think it's a cry for help? And of course, when I'm not eating popcorn chicken and binging Fast and the Furious movies, I tell you, I fell down a really strange internet rabbit hole. A couple episodes ago, I was telling you how I sent my brother one of his favorite G.I. Joe action figures because it just so happened to be in my possession. Well, because of that, I've been doing a lot of reading up and researching on the G.I. Joe toys of the 1980s, and I had completely forgotten about this. When the toy line was winding down in the early 90s, they started splitting up G.I. Joe into all kinds of ridiculous subgroups. There was one called the DEF, the Drug Elimination Force. And instead of fighting Cobra, they were fighting a whole new villain called the Evil Headhunters. They were led by a drug lord named the Headman, who was sending out his stormtroopers, i.e. the Headhunters, into the communities of America to spread his drugs. And so G.I. Joe had to take him down. Like I said, it came along late in the toy line, so I don't think they did anything with it in the comic books, but they did a cartoon about it. Oh boy, the cartoon. So basically, when the G.I. Joe cartoon was on in the early 90s, it switched creative teams, and it was just not as good as the original cartoon from the 1980s. They did a special two-part episode all about G.I. Joe fighting Headman and the Headhunters. Essentially, drugs were going through the ranks in both G.I. Joe and Cobra. So G.I. Joe and Cobra decided that the head man was a threat to the both of them. So G.I. Joe and Cobra teamed up to take down the head man. This episode of G.I. Joe is notable in that it's the only episode of the cartoon where someone dies on screen. At the end of the episode, G.I. Joe and Cobra have won the day, their truce is over, and as the camera pans over the wreckage of the Headman stronghold, we see the Headman's corpse. Rather than twitching a little, like it usually does in cartoons to suggest it's still alive, it smash cuts to a title card that says, Remember, Drugs Kill. Holy moly, no chill, G.I. Joe. But still, it is a very interesting chapter in the history of G.I. Joe. If you want to watch some classic G.I. Joe cartoons, over on the Hasbro YouTube channel, they have been posting a ton of them for the past few months. And for the ones that you can't find on YouTube, I would suggest the free streaming service Tubi because they have every other G.I. Joe cartoon there. And that's where I've been doing most of my binging. But anyway, I'm about out of things to talk about, so I think I'm going to wrap this up. As always, thank you for tuning in to hear my ramblings. You can subscribe on Spotify, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play now, and as always, you can listen at my official, personal website, chaosinabox.com. I'm Mark Cap. this has been the Targ, I will see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of the Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. 
The Targ is written and produced by Mark Tappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. Okay, now maybe we can talk about bringing back Buffy the Vampire Slayer.